Ukulele Tales with John Atkins. Hello, it's me, the ukulele teacher, or John Atkins, and you're listening to Ukulele Tales, my podcast that is proudly sponsored by Carla Brand Music. Visit carlabrand.com slash uketeacher to get 10% off anything on the Carla website, ukes, guitars, strings, books, accessories, whatever it is you're after, you can get a 10% discount just because you listen to Ukulele Tales. Whew, what a crazy couple of weeks it's been since I posted the Will Grove White episode. I have been up in Glasgow doing a workshop at the awesome Kenny's Music Store, which you should definitely check out if you're in town, by the way. Uh, then we, as a family, spent a week up in Cornwall on a sort of winter vacation thing, and it was absolutely incredible. In fact, uh, it even snowed for a bit, quite unexpectedly. So we spent a day just eating Cornish pasties and cakes and watching Hallmark movies, and it felt like a bit of a preview of Christmas, which, it has to be said, is sneaking up on us all too soon. In fact, last night I spoke to James Hill and his wife Anne Janelle about all things Christmas, including their new Christmas record, The Midnight Clear, which I'll be posting on Christmas Eve, December the 24th, as a special Yuletide treat. And who knows, maybe that could become a regular tradition of the podcast. Anyway, my guest today is the brilliant Sammy Turton, who recently released his new and first album, Ver, meaning weather. We chat all about the writing, recording, and performance of the record, how he came up with his own unique playing style, his love of harmonics, his biggest musical influences, collabing with the top stars in the ukulele world. But before all that, we had to clear up something very important. Obviously, you're a, a ukulele player and a, an excellent one at that. But I think you're, you're maybe best known for your extreme and, frankly, wrong opinions about Pringles. <laughs> wrong? Uh-oh. Yeah, it's going to be this well, kind of podcast, is it? <laughs> well, hopefully not. We'll, we'll settle down in a minute. But, um, <laughs> but I do think we should clear the air a little bit first. Okay. Because you're, uh, you talk a lot about paprika-flavor Pringles. I do. And I'm not entirely sure why. Well, firstly, they're very uh. hard to get in the U.K., so maybe I haven't had enough of them. But what, what is it about them that you think is so good? Well, okay, so there's, there's, a, there's a big asterisk on this because um, I'm, uh, I, I'm vegan, but I'm oh. allergic to dairy. Okay. So a lot of Pringles have uh, milk powder in them, which means I can't eat them. So actually, that means most of the flavors are eradicated for me, oh. apart from original, which is my wife's favorite because yeah. she's a psychopath. Uh, and... Paprika was the other one that was. Um, it was and it was a vegan flavor. It was. It didn't contain anything, and I think it's because it was uh, the one I could eat that also was the nicest flavor in Europe. Paprika is like quite a big uh, flavor in crisps. Oh, okay. okay. You're right. In the UK, yeah. it's not that big. I could only ever think of those. Um, God, I love crisps. Uh, those Max <laughs> yeah. crisps. Those uh, those used and they used to come in paprika flavor. Yeah. Uh, it's terrible. I know that, but. Um, 
So here is quite popular. So they're always the ones that I could get like all the time. So yeah. I used to I used to buy them. But now they've added milk powder back into them for no reason. Yeah, why? And why do they have a vegan flavor? They're like, we just need to add some animal products in just to... Because, yeah. I know, I know, they're terrible. I've tried boycotting them, but um, after n- numerous uh, cease and desists, I've got to show up. Okay, okay. Well, that's fair enough. If there's if there's a sort of vegan reasoning behind it, I guess that makes sense. My favourites are yeah. um, the smoky bacon ones, which for some reason are also very hard to get hold of, even in England. I don't know why. Uh, yeah, no. Well, that's the exciting thing about Pringles, isn't it? Because you think about them as ready salted, salt and vinegar, and then... I don't know what the other cream normal. cheese and chives or something is the, yeah, the green you're right, one. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. sour cream and onion. Sour cream and onion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Those yeah. are like the staples. So yeah. anything else that randomly appears, I think, is quite exciting. Well, I, it's so sad you would say that because it, it really is exciting. Whenever I would go to like oh. America, I'd be like, yeah. "Oh, I wonder what new and exciting flavors of Pringles they've got there." Yeah, exactly. And you they did have some incredible flavor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had a really yeah. cool like spicy flavor. Um, I cannot for the life of me remember what it was, but they had like a sort of range of. Actually, maybe that was in England, but a range of like the, extra the, spicy ones. Oh, uh, you know what? And sadly, I know this. Yes, they were all black tubes. That's the ones, yeah. Di- yeah, yeah. Yeah. Good yeah. Lord. Okay. My mum would like down a whole tube in an evening. Yeah, She <laughs> really liked those ones. All right. So, I'm uh, a big, yeah. big fan of your mother. Good. Well, thank you. Um, thank you very much. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So now we've got the controversy out of the way. Yeah. Uh, let's move on. Firstly, I want to know, Sammy... Um, where you are and why you're there. Because I think you're English, right? But you're living am, in yeah. Denmark? Correct. Okay, That's so exactly it. Yeah, yes. so what's the story? Why then? Why are you those things? Um, I, it's, it's basically me and my wife always said we'd like to go and live in a cool mainland European city at some point. Uh, we both met in Brighton. So, Is that where you're opinion, from? No, no. <laughs> no, so I'm from Dudley. Dudley, what, that's like Midlands, right? It is, yeah, West, it's West Midlands. West Midlands, okay. So uh, by Wolverhampton, okay. uh, kind of near Birmingham. Yeah. Uh, so I moved down to Brighton for university and pretty much uh, just stayed there. Uh, and I met my wife there. She's also a musician. We both went to, uh, there's a place called in Brighton called BIM, the Brighton Institute of Modern Music. I think they're all around the country nowadays, but we both met there as bass players. And um, it was basically... We stayed there for a while. We love Brighton. Absolutely beautiful, beautiful place. But we, like I said, we'd always talked about living somewhere else and thought it was cool. And it's one of those things, you know, you always talk about doing things. Yeah. And it's always one of those conversations, isn't it? You talk about doing things and then you, you laugh and then a year goes by. Um, and it was, it was the Brexit countdown. Yeah. It was, it was basically, it was that because that obviously eradicated uh, free movement. Wow. So okay. As yeah. soon as as soon as the the news came in that Brexit was going to happen and do it, we basically then started on a countdown to moving to Copenhagen. Where, where did you say she was from? Sorry. Oh, she's from Portsmouth. Portsmouth. Oh, okay. So she's not yeah. Danish. You didn't have to like go back to be with her. Or no, no, okay. no, no, no. That's it. We're both uh, we're both two self employed uh, English idiots who moved okay. to a brand new country without knowing anybody here or anything. But so did, it was a uh, yeah. It was, Terrifying and excellent. Yeah. Did Brexit not mean you had to go back, though? Or um, No. No, okay. no. Ah, see, no, no, no. That's the thing. If um, if you kind of moved there before it actually triggered, then you were safe. Wow, okay. So that's why yeah. it was a real countdown. That is amazing, yeah, yeah. And you didn't speak uh, the language or anything? No. No. <laughs> no. Uh, no, no. So Danish, we had no, no, absolute... Uh, 
knowledge of any Danish words or anything like that. And even now, my Danish, I've lived here five years and my Danish, I still can't hold a proper conversation. And it's unfortunately because I am pretty much in this office 24-7 and all my students are online and most of them aren't Danish. Yeah. So yeah. it's uh, I don't get to practice the language um, as much as I should. But um, Denmark and I think most of Scandinavia are fantastic because... English is, I won't say it's like just another language. It is literally like they can switch in between yeah. languages absolutely flawlessly. And so wherever you go, everything is also in English as well as Danish. Wow. So yeah. it, it for, for, like I said, for an English idiot like me, it meant we could actually move over and kind of survive until you had to phone up and there was an automated phone service and then you just wept and hit all the numbers until you could speak to somebody. Oh, no, okay, yeah. Well, I know you know at least one word in Danish now, though, which is the word ver. Am I saying it completely wrong? Yeah, ver. Ver, yeah, yeah. No, okay. no, no, you're right, okay. you're right, ver. Which yeah. is Danish for weather, right? Yeah, you're right, you're which right. Which is your new album. Uh, yeah, because I've never done this before. So oh. it's all been... I never set out to be an original artist, ever. It's It's been a weird transition of things, how it's, I've ended up there. But I'm enjoying it. And but, um, um, I'm spotting a theme with the, uh, the titles, <laughs> right? <laughs> yes. So, it, I mean, most of it, it... The the album is all about weather. And I think that is inherently because, as British people, that's mainly what we talk about, right? Yeah. My it's, wife's American it's... and she can't believe how much... Like, now she's working over here... Yeah. She's just like, I went into the office and people were just talking about the weather for like 40 minutes when, when they got in. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly it. It's I think it's to distract us from uh, other things. But um, it's, yeah, so it's kind of like that. But weather's kind of like a, it's a big mood, isn't it? You mm. know what I mean? And so for, for writing songs and to fit songs to a weather, it, I felt like it could feel like a big mood. And especially moving to Denmark, uh, the Danes do often complain about their weather. And I'm like, mate, have you been to England? Uh, what is the is weather kind, like over there? Is it just... It's kind of like the English weather, but with way more sunshine. Oh, right. Okay. Okay. So it's... Yeah. Uh, but what is quite cool is is that um, it kind of feels like living in two countries throughout the year because in the summer, because we're so north, um, there's a lot of daylight. Right. So it's very yeah. bright, very early and very bright, uh, very late. And it is beautiful, glorious blue skies and sunshine. The Danes will disagree with me and they'll be like, what, it's raining all the time. It's not raining all the time compared to England. Yeah. And then the winter, it gets dark very early and basically everybody hibernates and hides. It sounds so, sort of like uh, Alaska or something. You yeah. get like three hours of uh, of sunshine for si over six months or something. But Yeah, oh yes, yeah. It's definitely not that extreme, but um, it is it is very much in the summer. Everybody comes out to play and then the winter, it is pure hibernation. Yeah, wow. So uh, tell me a bit more about the album, because um, firstly, who else is playing on it? Is it just uh, you? Or... It, is just, it is just me. Even like the cello and stuff? Is there a cello on there? Or... There is a cello, but it's also not a cello. Is it like a MIDI uh, thing? It is, Okay, fair yeah. enough. So um, okay. basically, all the, all, all the backing instruments are played by me, but um, the ukulele is the only... What would you call it? Like live instrument? Inst yeah, the, yeah, the only real instrument that exists is is the ukulele. All the rest are um, uh, virtual uh, VSTs okay. that are played by me uh, through Logic in the keyboard through some of my favorite VSTs. So um, there's Spitfire Labs, uh, Keyscape. Um, I like Spitfire. Oh, good Spitfire, Lord. I think yeah. my album is sponsored by Spitfire. Really, yeah. Honest, honest to God, I've but, used it on every track. But, have you, but I feel a bit guilty because I've never paid them a single penny, though. Like, there's so much free stuff. 
or actually all and again all the all the vsts that i'm using on the album are all free amazing it's insane yeah. it's yeah. Uh, especially considering the cello yeah, yeah i have had a few yeah. people come up to me and be like who plays the cello on that i'm like it's not a real cello wow. and so i think that is a great advertisement for their vst there it is un- and it's free yeah i have no idea how they do it they're insane i don't know well i, I have no idea but uh yeah that's well that's cool so you put it all together in logic um yes. what in, in your have you got like a studio at home or something uh let's just call it a room with instruments fair enough so it's uh yes it's basically i i I am very lucky to have uh, my own room sort of dedicated to me and it's where i am all the time but um i just have a a little mac in there i have a a big piano uh it's a midi controller but still that's sat in front of my desk 24 7 so it's kind of that's actually the setup that's really it i have a sound card under it and i can just sit in that room and kind of do it it's uh acoustically very awful so um it but the room just oh the room not the album sorry it was playing about the room. with headphones yeah. oh yeah. <laughs> yeah okay i was like, I was like well this is a great advert yeah, for the yeah. uh for the record <laughs> the sound is appalling but, no, but uh, yes, uh, yeah yeah exactly it's it's awful i would never recommend doing it or listening to it no the out the uh the room unfortunately uh there's lots of things i need to do but it's uh the thing is with rented accommodation there's only so much you can do for sure yeah 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 but um i spend most of my time listening and doing things through headphones so that doesn't the room doesn't affect that so it's uh i can get away with it and i assume you wrote it all yourself as well right yeah i did i did um it was some of some of the tracks came from um there's a little series that I did every Thursday called Fingerstyle Thursday, which is like a um an original little it's meant to be basically little exercises and it's designed to challenge people, but they're they're only like thirty or forty seconds long, but just an original little piece that I wrote to test people out. And so a lot of them came from basically that and it was kind of expanded. And that's where the idea of the album came with. I was yeah. like how could I turn any of these little pieces into a full track? And actually, um, for example, Rain, the track Rain, um, most of the middle of that is Fingerstar Thursday number 24. And that's where the whole thing came from. So there are a few tracks that basically either are Fingerstar Thursdays and have been expanded or were inspired by that. Yeah. But then a lot of them, when I got into the idea of, oh God, I, sh- I could actually turn this into an album and a collection then a lot of them i started writing for that idea okay and what are you going to do with it when it comes out are you going to tour it or something or um (laughs) um i mean i would i would love to i would absolutely love to it's um I played, so I played the Berlin Festival. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like a couple of weeks couple ago, of, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a couple of weeks yeah. back. That's it. And I played most of the album uh, there, which was lots and lots and lots of fun. So, um, How did you do was, that? With uh, like loops or something? Or Yeah, so it's, uh, unfortunately, it's, it's very uncomplicated. So I have, um, because of I wrote all the backing and played it, I just essentially keep all the backing audio and keep it as a backing track okay fair enough yeah and so um i don't actually have a laptop i just have my desktop so i couldn't take that so it took a little bit of fiddling out and it's quite a haphazard way but basically they're on my ipad uh through a a little player and then um it syncs up to um i have one of those uh sound brenner uh you know the vibrating watches have you seen those uh 
I don't know that I have. No, I don't know. Uh, I can't, there's a metronome I've used for years by a company called Soundbrenner. Okay. Uh, it's, a, it's a free metronome, but I've always loved it and always encouraging people. And they basically make a kind of a smartwatch and it's a vibrating metronome and it syncs up with the app. Oh, okay. So it's kind of like a silent metronome. And yeah. uh, so basically I sync that to my iPad and then that allows me to be able to play without any in-ear monitors or anything fancy. It's just, like I said, the cheapest, most basic setup I can do, but it allows me to be able to do it. That's actually, a me- that sounds incredible, actually, to be fair. Um, I mean, I love, I mean, obviously I'm not sort of performing like you do or anything, but I love how many ways you can kind of use an iPad or a phone or something to like make music or for performing and stuff. I, you know, I absolutely agree. It's absolutely ridiculous now. And it's, um, I think it, it's, it's a weird, um, it's a weird conversation that a lot of musicians uh, feel very old school about and be like, you know, you, you can't, you can't do that. You know, you can't play to a back and track. There's a, with all the Glastonbury, um, with, with all the Glastonbury acts, watching all those backs, there was a fantastic act uh, who's British called Billy Nomates. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and she basically, even though she's she did all her album and you know played everything herself, she just basically live, she just sings okay. on her own, but to her backing tracks that she's made. Yeah. And she, you know, the performance is amazing. I thought this is incredible. But then um, the comments, uh, I think it was maybe on Twitter, on the BBC uh, Music Twitter, absolutely destroyed her because she was playing to a backing track. Right. Yeah, I didn't see her performance, but I heard she asked them to like take down the footage or something. She did. Yeah. yeah. She yeah. said she's never performing live again. Wow. Really? Is, wow. Okay. Honestly, which yeah. is um, which is very upsetting. I hope yeah. that you know it's been a she turns that around because I've seen nothing but utter positivity for her out there. Everybody said this person is amazing her music is amazing which i absolutely agree with it's just been a small portion of the internet that she's upset because it's confused them yeah and if you go and see like a big like a stadium act they're barely singing live anyway barely even well, singing live i mean you know the, yeah and that and that's one of the most interesting things it's the most of the acts that you watch always will have a form of uh triggers or um backing tracks but i think it was because she was there on her own and you could hear guitar and not see guitar, anyone playing the guitar, that that was the aspect where they're like, oh, something's happening that she's not doing. But you're right, every modern act does it. So yeah. it's just that they'll have more musicians on, so you kind of just accept it. Yeah, it's funny. I can't remember who I was having this conversation with, but um, I think there's sort of two schools of thought when you go and see live music. Like some people want it to sound exactly like the CD or the MP3 yeah, or whatever. Which is me, unfortunately. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, and some yeah. people like me, uh, on the other side of the coin, I like it when they're kind of like, oh, let's have like a six-minute guitar solo or sing it to like a yeah. samba beat instead or just completely change it up in some way. Uh, okay. So I'm also a big fan of that also. Yes, oh, okay. Fair that, that's exactly... Yeah. I basically, I don't want to... <laughs> so me, I don't want to go listen to something on that it is exactly the same as a record but obviously it's going to sound worse because of you know people usually don't get it as tight as they do in studios or just the sound in a studio has been mastered and has been played around with versus a live setting the sound is never going to be like that so right i'm a big fan of you're right when they play it around and change it up that's totally cool okay okay good i'm glad we're on the same page (laughs) (laughs) well let's hear a bit more about um fingerstyle thursday especially by the way the controversial spelling of thursday uh yes what it well you explained a little bit about what it was but when did it start and how how did you kind of get that going um so 
you know what? I, I have no idea when it started now. I've lost all concept of time. Well, they're numbered, aren't they? So uh... They are, but it was every week. And then basically as they got on, um, they kind of progressed in level. So they started to get more demanding. Oh, okay. So it was... Um, I had to switch it up to every two weeks because people were finding it hard to learn it in a week, etc. So I want to say it's roughly about two years ago. Two years ago. So basically yeah. every week or so for two years, you've been like composing a new piece of music. That is correct. To teach people um, finger picking. Yes. Yeah, exactly that. And it was it was different basically yeah different styles of finger style but essentially the the idea behind it was is that i mean i've been i've been a teacher for a very very long time and always when i taught my private students whether it was on piano or guitar or something like that you know people are always like oh you should i always got horror stories of oh my old piano teacher you know from when i was young just made me walk up my scales up and down or did that but nobody ever kind of tells you what why they're useful they yeah. just kind of make you do it and that's it that's that's basically it and i find that missing with a lot is context often was missing with a lot of it so i wanted to kind of hide that but put it in a piece because then yeah. it's basically they're, they're doing the same exercises but it sounds to them and to everybody around them like they're playing a small nice uh a or piece of music yeah so in my brain, it was always everybody won on that. And so that's always how I've tried to attack my exercises. And it's always been basically show it if, you know, if you looked at a piece, this piece is going to be using a scale or something like that. And this is how they're using it. Or you can use it like this. And so, like I said, it's kind of tricking people to do the work that they should be doing without telling them, kind of uh, making them just go, oh, just play this for no reason. Yeah. It's funny what you say about context, because I remember... Sometimes when I'm playing something, I'll be like, oh, I wish I had played my scales a bit more when I was like learning, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, or sometimes yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm grateful that I know this scale so well that uh, I can learn this piece a bit easier. But um, is that how you sort of got known on social media? Like Instagram, I guess, is your thing? Yeah, Instagram Instagram is definitely the one. And I, yeah, I would definitely thank Fingerstar Thursday uh, for the, the boost on Instagram. Definitely. So it's... Um, and again, it was back at that time where it was kind of, I wanted to inject a bit of teaching into into Instagram, but I've always struggled with trying to get a, a quick quick lesson. Like, you know, I've always, your lessons are great. I've always admired them how bang, 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 done, 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 done. And for me as a teacher, I waffle on and talk about stories and stuff like that. So, and, you know, it ends up as 45 minutes. And I was like, that's instagram doesn't want that it so i need well, to kind of yeah. condense that into something that people can take away but also try and keep it how i would teach it well one of the things when i started my youtube channel like i yeah i'll get into this because basically i accidentally got invited to a meeting at google when youtube was kind of a new thing and this oh. american guy had come over to like explain about like the ideal way to make a youtube video yeah and they even had a thing at the time that i think he'd written called um the YouTube Creator's Handbook. And it basically, he and I it was just at this meeting for about an hour because I had a friend who sort of worked for, flip, I can't even remember where he was working. But anyway, somehow I, got, I accidentally got invited to this thing. Yeah. And he said like, okay, the optimum, and again, all of this information has changed now, unfortunately. Of course. But um, it said like the optimum length of a video is four minutes to four and a half minutes. 
If you're going to have opening credits, make them two seconds long. Have a call to action at the 15-second mark. Wow. Uh, post it at Sunday between 4 and 7 p.m. And all this stuff. And I just basically oh made God. a load of notes. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's interesting. I wonder if I ever get an idea, I'll like try it out. And then I'd on my like old YouTube channel, I used to post black and white videos of me called the Old Time Ukulele Guy. <laughs> and I would play things from the Uke Hunt website, like um, Mario or the Neighbours theme. Yeah. And that you was sort very, of getting... You were very careful with that pronunciation. I, I certainly was, yeah. <laughs> this is a family <laughs> podcast. So. <laughs> uh, so I was playing these old... I, I put these video, these black and white videos of me playing like sort of finger-picking stuff yeah. from that website. And they were sort of getting, getting some traction. I basically, more than just my friends and family were watching... So that was kind of like playing in the back of my head. And then one day I was just like, oh, I know. I could make like a ukulele channel using all of this information. Yeah. And I was basically, I guess, the first one to do it. And I actually literally went step by step through that sort of YouTube creator's yeah. handbook, doing it exactly, you know, start with the joke, have this for two seconds, do that at this point. <laughs> and it basically, it, 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 it worked. It exactly worked, uh, right? Okay. But now yeah. um, it looks positively archaic. So, like, at the time, like, four and a half minutes was sort of, like, considered snappy and, yeah. um, you know, in, you know, whirlwind. But now yeah. uh, anything longer than, like, 15 seconds and you just seem like an old man who's sort of, <laughs> you know, <laughs> rambling on, which to be fair, I am. But, uh, but it hurts that I've been, like, superseded by a new generation. Yeah. There's one thing I always wonder about. And I know I'm meant to be interviewing you, not... Uh, oh, no, 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 no. I, okay. like, I like the... I think podcast has to be a, a two-way conversation. Well, that's good. So. That's good, yeah. Because one thing I, I always sort of, sort of think about is, like, how much educational value is there in, like, a 15-second TikTok video? Mm, yeah, or, you know, same, Instagram reel. We have reel. the same feelings on this. And, uh, and my personal belief is, like, almost none. Mm. But having spoke to some other, you know... Instagram or TikTok people or musicians, they've said that maybe you don't necessarily learn from these things, but they can inspire you to uh, a beautiful uh, to look and, stuff yeah, more. Yeah. an absolute spot on point. So just by seeing someone play like an amazing, like, I don't know, shredding or yeah. like a beautiful chord sequence or whatever it is, yeah, you're not necessarily going to pick it up in 15 seconds. In fact, you're definitely not going to. But yeah. if you are then inspired, and again, the thing is what percentage people are, but mm-hmm. if you're then inspired to like go to YouTube or go to the internet and say oh how do i play this amazing scale or or learn more about these chords or whatever uh then i guess it can inspire in that way no i Um, i I very much very 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 much agree with that good uh and it's yeah yeah i've i always had the same problem it's why i didn't do instagram for a long time Mm. it was always kind of something i wanted to do but you know not having the idea or you're right i felt like as as a music teacher i felt like well if i put this out i'm not I want, I want to basically explain every little detail so it's crystal clear so they can get from how I'm going from this to this. And I didn't want to just jump to something randomly and be like, oh, well, tough. But yeah. you're absolutely right. You can't look at it like that. It is a different form of inspiration. And people can see that and go, oh, wow, I had no idea that was possible. Oh, I had no idea that instrument can sound like that. Yeah. Then yeah. you're right. It's the spark, which is equally as important. Yeah. I remember seeing one of, I guess, your early... I assume it was one of your earlier videos on um, on Instagram, yeah. And I, because I was sort of thinking, wow, this guy's great. I'd love to, like, I, you know, certainly need to like get better as a player and need to learn new things and stuff. And I was like, this guy's putting out these cool exercises. I'd love to do it. And uh, and then you go, okay, all you need is one of these homemade picks. And I'm like, not in any way handy. 
and I feel you like you just get a soldering iron and a hacksaw and cut this. <laughs> and I was like, flip, I can't even make his uh, his own plectrum. Like I'm just, I don't think I can do it. But uh, is it that hard to make your picks? And are they necessary for how you play? Uh, so they're definitely not necessary at all. Oh, okay. So I would no, I would have never said you need one at all. The oh. the main reason I use it is because I have uh, very stupid skin, and basically it's irritated very quickly. So oh, okay. if I strum with, I, I like to strum with my thumb because of the tone. I don't use my nail because I don't like the sharp tone of it. Yeah. So I've always strummed like that. But occasionally there'll be certain months where basically if I strum too much, my entire thumb will basically blister and completely just die and peel off. Oh, wow. Yeah. Which means yeah. then I can't use that. So it's uh, it, became, it became a real problem um, when I was doing Thing Star Thursday every single week yeah. because my son was, like I said, it's only certain times, but certain times it was like, nope, nope. And so I had to consider my options and think about how I could get around it. And I'm the same as you. I'm not handy at all. If you give me a hammer, I will most likely destroy and kill myself at the same time. Right, so yeah. There is, n- yeah. there is nothing handy about me, but... It was basically the determination of if I don't do this, I can't play, and that wasn't going to happen. So it was kind of there was a lot of prototypes of me buying lots of thumb picks, destroying them, buying lots of felt picks, cutting them up, and also destroying them, and trying to figure out the best way around it. And it took a while, but like I said, I I finally got to a conclusion that that works. And so how did you make it again? How is how do you make these things again? <laughs> it, it, it's basically, it's kind of, it's a guitar thumb pick. Yeah. That I've kind of clipped the pick side off. Okay. That is then sanded down so it's not sharp anymore. Uh, you have to put it in hot water to stretch it out. Okay. Uh, you have to be careful about that. And then let it cool and set. And basically you have to mold it to your thumb because the picks are quite tough. Right. So... It is a little bit of a long process, yeah. but it's one of those things where it's, you know, it's repeat, fail, repeat, fail, repeat success. You will get there eventually to it. Okay. But, um, I mean, I can't say too much, but all I will say is is that there will be a solution. Well, that's funny you should say that because I was just about to say you should, uh, well, you know, you can drop it if you want to, but I'm sure we were both about to say the same thing. So Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It is, yeah. Good because luck I've yeah, done all the <laughs> done all the failing yeah. with it and everything. Yeah. There will be a solution available, but um, amazing. It is uh, just just prototyping it because I've got to make sure it's perfect. So, oh, good for you. That's that's really cool to hear. Well done. Thanks. So, as you can hear, Sammy is a great musician, a great person, and I had a blast talking to him. Now, we'll get back to our chat in a moment, but first, I wanted to let you know the news. Ukulele Tales has been nominated for an award. The good people at Anarchy in the Ukulele have nominated it as one of the top podcasts of 2023, and I'm genuinely, absolutely gobsmacked. Now, unfortunately, the voting ends this Friday on December the 15th, and I only just found out about it about an hour before I uploaded this podcast, so there's not a huge amount of time left to go and vote. But if you would like to go ahead and vote for the show, then I'd be really, really, really grateful. And I have put a direct link to the voting form in the show notes. So just click through on that. Now, there's actually lots of other great players and uke personalities up for awards too, including several other former guests of the show, including Opera Lely, the Ukulele Orchestra of Great Britain, 
Plastic Jesus, Phil Dolman, and Sammy himself, actually. So be sure to show them some love, too, and I'm sure they would really appreciate it. Anyway, enough about that. Let's get back to my conversation with Sammy Turton, a.k.a. The Four-String Boy. So how would you describe your playing style? Because you're, it sounds to me like very clean, lots of sort of harmonics, I guess sparkly maybe. <laughs> uh, do you use like a traditional technique or is it kind of something you've come up with yourself? Um, no, there's definitely, there is nothing original in my playing. Everything has come from somewhere. So oh, wow, okay. Definitely. So it's, um, sp- I mean, sparkly is a good word. That's how I call it. It's your word, and, isn't it? And sparkly. Yeah. Well, I, th- I, I don't know. I always call harmonic sparkles and then I see everybody else call harmonic sparkles now. So I'm not sure whether that came from me or whether it's just a thing that has always been there and I've adopted. So I can't, I can't tell you. Um, No, I'd say the two, the two biggest three, I'll give you three influences on my playing then. Is that cool? When I first got a ukulele, um, I could already play, you know, guitar and bass guitar. So my left hand kind of already understood everything. Mm. It was the right hand. And because I played electric guitar, I always played with a pick. Same, yeah, yeah. Never, yeah, it's just just the nicer way. I'd never had any interest in acoustic guitars, couldn't care about them. I'd never tried finger picking or anything like that. So when it came to that side of it, I was like, I don't know what to do, but there's only four strings. So it's massively narrowed it down and because there's a lot of space between the strings like on a bass guitar lots of space between the strings on a guitar they're quite tight knit mm. and it's a little bit clumsy so oh well you know if you can't do it uh so it was i basically i bought a ukulele home and the first thing i did was some googling and the most useful lessons that i found were um aldrin guerrera mm-hmm. on ukulele underground mm-hmm and I watched a few of his lessons and basically he taught a video on finger style that was kind of this thumb thumb index middle technique and so I played around with that and I was like actually yeah I can kind of get used to that that's quite comfortable so I kind of did with that um with strumming I tried it with my index of the nail which is what everybody recommends but like I said I just didn't like the tone so I tried it with my thumb and even though my thumb at first was like, what are you doing? This hurts. It, it quickly got used to it. So the the thumb technique I kind of adopted, but was like, there must be other players doing this. And then going on years and years and years and years, I discovered uh, a Danish player called uh, Tobias Elof. Yeah. And he's not around so much anymore doing ukulele, but uh, he should be because he's ridiculously incredible. But his style of playing is very gentle and very soft and he plays much with his thumb down strum and then kind of uh like a a flick with his index finger up and i kind of use that and i call it lazy strumming nowadays so it's not basically like a a full down up down up strum yeah it's kind of i'm almost just gracing the the g string with my thumb and then my index finger maybe catches the e and a on the up so it's like a very gentle strum. Right, okay, but yeah. that kind of enables me to then flick into fingerstyle very quickly. And it's always one of those questions that I get asked, how do you mix strumming and fingerstyle together? And it is this technique. But he, he very much, I saw him and I was like, oh, I was like, he sounds like I want to sound and he kind of plays like I play. 
So I very much followed him for a long time and studied more about it. And he used lots of harmonics and things. And so I'd known about harmonics, but never, never tried to play them by right hand. I always played them, you know, the traditional natural harmonics with your left hand. Uh, and so I saw he was playing them with his right hand and so looked into the technique. And the good news about having an office is I can just lock myself in and just play at it 24-7. Right. Yeah. So it was kind of that and just playing around with it. And the more and more I did it, the more and more I'd have ideas for covers where there was like a, uh, you know, a squeaky synth or a high bit of piano and stuff. And I'd try and see how possible that would be to make it as an, in harmonics. And kind of now how that's developed is that I almost use them as a, you know, unlike if you've got a small synthesizer or keyboard, you've got like an octave up button. Yeah. Because yeah, you yeah. don't have enough keys. Yeah, I have that's that, how yeah. I treat harmonics because essentially that's what it gets to you. So rather than me running, you know, from the second to the 14th fret back to the fifth, I will, instead of the 14th fret, I'll use the harmonic on the second. So I can go second harmonic on the second and then to fifth. Okay. Because my left hand doesn't have to dart around. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of how I think all the time now. And that's how I'll always do it. So I think that's why when people think of me about harmonics is because it's not, I don't think of, I know it sounds weird. I don't think of them as harmonics anymore. I just think of it as a way of achieving a note that I'm too lazy to read. <laughs> right, okay. And that's essentially it. So that's kind of how I treat them. And that's basically it. But Going further onto the harmonic side of thing and how much you can use them and play around with them. Um, my favorite guitarist of all time has been a, a guy called John Gomm. That name doesn't even ring a bell to me. I'm not sure. Oh, my good Lord. Right. So your homework then, my friend, yeah. is to watch, go on YouTube and put in John Gomm, G-O-M-M. Okay. Uh, Passion Flower. But he's a British guy from the north somewhere. But um, he wrote this original song called Passion Flower. And I can't tell you any more. I just need you to go watch it. I will. That's I will. I've it. just made a note of it. And uh, Good. Yeah. Thank you. But yeah. basically, he has always been my influence on how he composes. Like He does lots of percussive stuff, which I do not do at all. Okay. But his use of harmonics has always been an inspiration how he uses them. Hey, just to let you guys know, I have done that. I have just stopped editing this podcast. I've put that on YouTube. John Gom, Passion Flower. And I've literally thrown my guitar out of the window. It is absolutely insane, unbelievable. I can totally understand why Sammy loves this guy and how he has been an influence on his player. I need you guys to do the same thing now. Put this podcast on pause, grab your laptop, go to youtube.com, find John Gom Passion Flower, and it's going to change your life. This is amazing. Go and check it out. John Gom Passion Flower. Amazing. The thing about harmonics for me, I love them, by the way, and obviously you're a master of them, but do you have to... In your head, are you just constantly like adding 12 or adding 7 or whatever to like try and uh, play them? Because I'm not great at like su at quick maths like that. So <laughs> I'm always like, hang on, like 4 or 12 is uh, yeah. 16. I think, I think that's more, me neither. So I think that's more an indictment on the British education system. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> it's uh, so yes and no. So sometimes I'm doing that, but more often than not, Essentially what I'm doing, especially if like I'm playing an arpeggio or finger style and like including harmonics in the chord, the way I kind of see it is um, I'm kind of, and again, it might sound weird, from the 12th fret. So the 12th mm -hmm. fret obviously is, you know, the same as, as zero. It's, it's the, you know, an octave higher from it. And what I, what I kind of see is a picture of the chord box written down. Okay, yeah. And if I can see that chord box, I can kind of draw it with my finger. 
with my right hand. Right. Okay. I guess that so, makes sense. Yeah. So yeah. I'm not actually counting. I'm more drawing because I know what that chord box looks like because I yeah. can put the chord together. And so essentially I can put that together from the 12th fret and then I can put that together from the 7th fret and then I can also put that together from the 5th fret. Right, okay. So I'm kind of drawing the chords from different perspectives on the fretboard. Okay, okay, thanks. Yeah, because like I say, I'm always just like really slowing down when I'm trying to think where it is, uh, <laughs> which again is quite shameful. <laughs> no, so, no, no, yeah. it's not. But um, yeah, it's because a lot of us don't spend time much past the 12th fret. It can be, oh my God, what to go to 15. But I think if you tweet 12 as zero, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, then it's much easier to count up yeah. and then go one, two, three, bang. And that's much easier to find rather than 15. You're like, what? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I think thinking of it as zero is a, a better way. Good call. Thank you. Okay. Um, so you've got some amazing testimonials on your site from like some really great, <laughs> which is, which, <laughs> which is probably a good thing. Um, but no, yeah. I was going to say from some great players like Brittany, Piver, Aldrin, who you mentioned earlier, Guerrero, yeah. Phil Dolman. Um, I was just wondering if you've like collaborated with them or collaborated with anyone, really, if it's something you're interested in kind of doing. Oh, I, I adore, I adore collabs very, very, very much. So, um, yes, the, uh, the, the testimonial thing is very much a thing I'm uncomfortable with, but it's kind of the thing that you need to get used to, right? So yeah, yeah. I don't want to sing my praises and I don't want other people to go out their way to sing my praises and be egotistical, but also it's part of the gig. So I completely get it. Um, no, you know what? Lots of what I call the ukulele elite have been incredibly wonderful and kind to me, which is um, mind-boggling because I think in other instrument communities, that doesn't happen. Hmm. so it's uh here in the ukulele community it is very much everybody's treated quite equally i think so um no britney uh me and britney have done a couple of collabs uh so we did one at christmas because she's obsessed with christmas music 24 uh, oh, 7 cool. and i wrote a um an interstellar theme cover and i wanted uh another player to play on it and as i'm not very much of a low g player i asked britney because she's a fantastic yeah, yeah, low, g, yeah, right, okay. low g player yeah. um no aldrin had me on the ukulele podcast but uh i mean i feel a little bit cheating because i am I, i'm in a whatsapp group with them because we all play mario kart together okay so it's uh so it's like, like kind of they do speak highly of me but also um i know them now you know what i mean so yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a weird weird crossover we all play mario kart together and uh which all dream is unbeatable at. Uh, i guess we should wrap it up i had a couple more like quick ones um uh the name four string boy does that limit you yeah. in any way for example you wouldn't be able to play a mandolin or even instruments with less than four strings like the <laughs> du shan shin the chinese instrument with one string uh, that is true yeah have you considered that uh, I mean, no, because to be honest, my uh, knowledge of the Du Shan Shin has been ten seconds. Oh, so, okay. Uh, so I will, I will say that's fine. Um, no, the, I mean, the name Four String Boy mainly comes because I've always, I've always been a bass player. Oh, uh, right. And okay. Ironically, growing up, I was a five string bass player, so mm. it doesn't kind of work in that. But um, it got to a point where uh, I, I was, I was just located down to four strings, and. No, I mean, you know, people know I can play piano, I think, and people know I can play other things. So it doesn't that, but it's kind of, I guess, for the videos that I show off, I'll only ever usually be playing a bass or a, a ukulele. 
I don't I don't think I, I'm I'm interested in showing off other instruments. Like I said, occasionally there's a piano thing, which technically should be eighty eight string boy. Yeah, guess, yeah, but yeah. You, as yeah. well, it's a MIDI controller, so eighty eight button boy. I don't know, but um, yeah, yeah. So uh, no, no, it's it's mainly because, like I said, I've always been a bass player and then moved to ukulele. So uh, the four strings kind of resonates with me. Okay, and something else I was going to ask you uh, as well is uh, about your look. Like, does that have anything to do with your music? Because you you have like a lot of sort of tattoos and stuff right you're quite uh cool I d- yeah looking, i do right yeah yeah <laughs> is that... if you say so well take it from someone who knows what cool isn't uh then uh yeah i mean is that uh linked to your music in any way um i don't i don't think so okay um no no i don't i don't know it's Mame. Okay, there's a weird crossover, I guess, with it, isn't there? Because when you think of tattooed people, and then what you think of their music genres, so, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean, in my in my twenties, um, I was in a progressive metal band. Okay. Whereas the tattoos add up a bit more to that, yeah, which yeah. is all technically demanding stuff and is all kind of like that. And that was very much the music that I listened to. And when you think of metal and you think of that, you do generally think of heavily tattooed people. So. I suppose, in a way, that is the kind of influence because even though I'm not playing, I don't play metal anymore. I'm not trying to play metal on a ukulele, but I'm still trying to add an element of that technicality into it. So yeah, maybe. And yeah, I guess the um, the, the the Danish code of conduct is to always wear all black, which I've been doing for years. So I'm very glad to fall into society like that. But it does also go with the miserable weather i think really so is that it's uh like i mean not that's not like an official sort of uh law or anything but that is kind of society um <laughs> no no but i think i will be shipped back if i if i uh, ever wear like orange or something like oh, that. oh wow so. that's that's fast. i had no idea that's really cool to hear though i didn't <laughs> i did not know that you learn something every day there, there we go there we go no they're just um they're, they're like quite muted tones yeah so uh whites blacks and then like a, a beige that is that is how you fit in in denmark Wow, okay, cool. So I guess last question, I think, is what is next for Four String Boy? It's, (laughs) I can't ever think too much about the future because uh, it stresses me out. So so it's, uh, so it's very much at the moment, I'm concentrating on the uh, album release. Yeah. Um, Next, I'm in March, I'll be doing a ukulele safari. So right, yes, Michaela mentioned that, I think. Yeah, 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 and doing that with Michaela. So that is terrifying. And also, I cannot wait. Um, I think the biggest thing for me is that I want to be getting into more ukulele festivals. I've yeah. had a I've had a taste of it and like my live set is kind of sorted. So the biggest thing for me will be looking for that. It's uh ukulele isn't very big or appreciated in Denmark. So it's um so I often have to travel out of there to do that. So that's kind of I think my biggest my biggest thing. But yeah. um but also yeah that's that's the main thing so it'll be festivals and then um i am writing a couple of more stuff in the background and there's also uh, something else this year that i can't talk about okay is that the thing you couldn't talk about earlier or something else no you can't that's talk about? another thing oh right okay cool. there's plenty you can't talk about <laughs> maybe you can come back on again when you come for a format yeah. where we need to talk exactly right? yeah maybe come back on again in a few months or something <laughs> 
Well, that was so much fun chatting with Sammy. And again, I really appreciate the John Gom recommendation. If you didn't do it earlier, make sure you go ahead and check that video out as soon as is humanly possible. Seriously, you will not regret it. Also, I should probably have pointed this out earlier, but I recorded this chat back in the summer, a good two or three months before Sammy's album had actually come out. So I hadn't actually heard all of it by that point. But I'm delighted to say that it is out now and it's streaming in all the usual places like Spotify and Apple Music and so on. And you should really check it out. It is absolutely terrific and very, very sparkly. It's called Ver, meaning weather. And it is under the name Four String Boy. No spaces. And that's the number four. So go and check that out too. Show Sammy some love and maybe go and give him a follow or leave him some nice comments as it really is an outstanding piece of work. Okay, that is pretty much it for this episode. But don't forget to go and vote for Ukulele Tales as podcast of the year over at Anarchy in the Ukulele. If there's still time, there is a direct link in the show notes. And of course, if you want to help support the show as well as hear lots of bonus content with guests like Will Grove White, Cynthia Lynn, James Hill, Abby Lyons, Victoria Vox, or lots, lots more great people, check out patreon.com slash uketeacher for all that great extra stuff and to help support this show. And as always, if you've enjoyed the show or you have any ideas for future guests or future ideas, please let me know. Drop me a message at uketeacher at grabyouryuke.com as I do reply to all the emails I receive eventually. And of course, the Christmas special episode with James Hill and Anjanelle is going to be up on Christmas Eve as a special festive treat. So I hope you guys will check that out too. Okay, another big thank you to Carla for sponsoring the show. If you're in the market for a Christmas present, then be sure to head to carlabrand.com slash teacher and you will get 10% off anything on their store, be it ukes, guitars, accessories, books, the lot. 10% off just because you listen to Ukulele Tales. Okay, until next time, I love you all, and I wish you the best. Mm -hmm.